My name is Angel and welcome back to the Dead on Arrival show episode number three and I have been waiting right here for all of you. And let me guess, in my absence while we've been fixing these technical difficulties with the show that we have now overcome and are ready to fill your ears with pleasure, I bet you've been waiting for one thing and one thing only. Let me guess what that might be. It couldn't be following the rules. It couldn't be boredom. It couldn't be normalty. It must be chaos. Right. It must be debauchery. And most of all, if you're dealing in my world, my dark world, it must be sin. So, with no further ado, let's kick the show up a notch on episode number three, and we only have one thing to say. Are y'all ready? Because Angel's back with the dead on a rival show. Let's do this, baby. Welcome back to the show. And alrighty, well, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna put this up front for you. I told my boys that on this first section of the show that I wanted to stop everything. I wanted to calm it down and I want to just talk to you, my people. They looked at me kind of strange and they said, what, what, what do you mean? And I said, no, no, no. I want to do this. I want to tell these people in the audience, the ones that are loaning us the time, loaning us the thoughts, the feelings. I want to tell them just how important they are. I want to let them know exactly just how much they guide the success of the show. They're not only the bow of the boat, to the mast, to the rudder. You guys are everything. You help us become a higher version of ourselves. And we, in turn, would like to take this show and help you become a higher version of yourself as well. Because, you see, I don't want the Dead on Arrival show to be prejudiced at all. I don't want it to follow guidelines and morals and norms of society. As I said before, we take political, politically correctness and we kick it out the motherfucking door. It don't matter if you're a housewife in Boise, you're an MC riding the road on a devil's highway in Arizona, or you're a politician in Washington. If you can somehow, especially with the politician end of it, if you can somehow find your morality, find your way to claw yourself up the mountain and find a better better version of you that's what this show I want it to be about and I want to talk to you for a moment I want you to hear the sound of my voice I want you to understand how important you are to our journey and our success so please tell everyone if you like this show please share please tell us what we can do better and worse I didn't want to save this section till the end of the show I just want to get it out front right now you all are my everything and I'm your sinful daddy monster that creates the chaos that you love and you know I want to get down with you so let's just not deny it anymore we're just a bunch of dirty dogs chasing after a bone baby with the dead on arrival show we're not gonna go wrong but we're gonna cure some people we're gonna we're gonna make some morals right we're gonna make some real strong human beings that's my goal to rise like the phoenix phoenix from the ashes rise to the top that's what we're gonna do so if you're all the way down 
You ready to ride or die? Strap on in. It's gonna be bumpy, but I promise you, this journey, baby, is way more than worth it. You know what that means? The infamous audience question of the show. I do look forward to these. And this particular one, I'm not going to say too much, but I would keep the Kleenex nearby. So, received a question from a lovely young lady named Janie, who's from the big Lone Star state of Texas. While Janie had this lovely question for me um, when we put out the call on social media to get questions, which if you do have questions, please DM us, email us, get them to us any way you can, and we'll try to get you on the show. But um, this particular question from Janie, I am going to tackle because it is of a personal nature. And uh, yeah, I'm going to have some connection to it. So let's go on. So Janie writes, she says, Angel, my father is in the late final stages of cancer. And I am having a very hard time letting him go. I don't want to bring down your show, but I found myself disconnecting from my fiance, friends at work, and just socially because I'm having a hard time dealing with it. I don't like to bring this up, but I know that you had lost your wife from cancer, and I wondered if you had any advice for me on how I can get through and what I can do to try to bounce back the best way I can. And oh look, Janie signs it. Thank you, Angel, for all your thoughts and love. Sincerely, Janie from Texas. Well, isn't this the question um, of the show? Here's where I guess I touch on a little uh, <laughs> a little more um, personal nature. So Janie, your father is in, I would assume, stage three, which is the final stage of cancer. Um, you're having a difficult time um, being a social. You're detaching from people. You're withdrawing. I'm going to tell you, Janie, from personal experience, that that is unfortunately a normal thing to do. It's not like you can go skip along and dance and be happy when you know that your father is near his deathbed. So let's put that out there right now. So as I viewed this question, I tried to think of the best way that I could answer it. I have answered many people and dealt with many people regarding situations like this who have found depression um, while someone is or has died that they were close to. And I'm going to do a, like a, a couple things for you here, Janie, because I love you. You know I love all of you. Um, my first approach, I'm going to say, is just a generic, but it is from my heart. Um, on the many people that I've dealt with on this topic, Janie, say your name again so you know I'm paying attention to you. The one thing that we must do, regardless, is we must think to ourselves when someone that we know or care for is dying, we must think of, instead of only ourselves, we must think of how that person would want us to live on, right? <clears throat> I did this with my wife. But um, I believe, Janie, if you really, really, really search deep inside your soul, 
And no one blames you for, like I said, withdrawing or being upset. But if you search deep inside your soul, and considering this was your father, I'm pretty sure your father would want you to be positive and happy in your life. So we must make the closure that we must make. You must take the, the steps that you must take with the man to say goodbye. But you must also remember that beyond our debauchery and our sin and our darkness, that we do have souls. And our parent, in your case, your father, for our soul, I am positive he would want you to be happy. He would not want you to dwell. He would not want you to, like, lose your life over him losing his. He would actually want the direct opposite. He would want you to live your life. So that's my first piece of advice, Janie. Try to not make closure with your father, but try to let him pass on while keeping him in your heart the best you can and understand that he would only want you to have all of the happiness in the world so you cannot let yourself drown that deeply. The second piece of advice that I will give you um, that I found with my wife when she passed on is no matter what happens when it comes to losing someone, and although this does go with the former um, answer that I had, I will say this. No matter what happens when we lose someone, the one thing that we cannot do is lose ourselves. We cannot forget to eat. We cannot forget our spirituality. We cannot forget to continue to live and have dreams and love and all that stuff. So, you know... I know it's hard to bond with your, like, fiancé. I think you said you had a fiancé. It's hard to be social. But sometimes, Janie, we have to force ourselves. Um, I'll tell a quick personal story. Uh, when my wife was passing away, her final week of life, um, the cancer had spread to her brain, and she had lost all cognitive um, ability so she didn't recognize her own kids she didn't recognize me she was babbling she was just kind of incoherent is the word um, and basically uh, it's the goddamn worst thing in the whole world uh, to be honest with you uh, yeah it's pretty horrid so I had an epiphany because at that moment uh, what happened was is she was actually uh, not able to eat anymore and she was withering away so I had to be the one to actually make the call to the doctor to I guess let her pass on um, comfortably which means to drug them up until they die which is basically calling the shots on the person that you love the most so you know no big deal but um, you know I kind of dealt with it like a, a job I didn't get emotional didn't really um, let it get to me as much as a human should tried to kind of be an example and really was rather 
fine with that, but also somewhat lost because what you don't experience then will come around. And trust me, Janie, what you don't experience now will come around. So experience, take it in and let it drain out. But the one thing that kind of hit me while I knew that I had to make the call on my wife to end her life was that I couldn't let this be a defining moment in the fact of negativity in my life. I had to understand that this was in a marriage. It's the ultimate sacrifice that you'll ever make to someone. So I want this to also be a bit of relationship advice. And I'll talk a little shit too. I'm the kind of man that stays with you ladies to the very end. I don't leave your side. I'm a bad boy, but a good man that stays right by your side. And that's what I did. And, um, and that's what you'll do with your father too. You'll stand by his side, but in the confines of standing by the side, you must also remember to stand by your own side and not lose who you are inside. And that means your smile, kind of hinging on the former answer with your happiness. You can't lose the person inside because negative situations like this kind of want to try to rape it away from you because they're so negative and, and bad and, and can be so backwards in your development as a human being. But if you really look at it correctly, you allow yourself to feel, you allow yourself to have moments like I did where I understood that in a marriage, I actually did stand by my woman's side to the very end, which is like something not everyone can do. You begin to take solace in who you are. You begin to understand that character and love are what really matters in this world. People say that I had a post this week about love and uh, on, on social media and they you know um, someone had said to me um, that love love isn't always everything love can't always save everything and I just think that's a bullshit statement I understand what they're saying no you cannot like save abusive relationships but once you've watched someone die someone that you love someone that you love more than yourself then you will never ever ever trivialize the depth or the meaning of what love truly is. So Janie, what I'm trying to say in this 10 minute spiel, since you hit me from the side and I'm talking about my wife too, and really trying to do something for you here and connect with you and the audience on this particular topic. I'm telling you, Janie, the one thing that must come out of this, the ashes, it's where I got the dead on arrival show because I died. I was dead on arrival after my wife died. What you must come out of it through on the other side is that although you've burned in the ashes, you can rise up and you can become something because you have never forgotten who you are. And that might sound complacent and basic and obvious, but it's true because sometimes when you're in such deep pain, you forget yourself. You begin to do like what you're saying. You hide. You begin to think that love isn't as, as important or relationships aren't as important but like with your father and like with my wife and whatnot they would want us to smile right they would not want bad people in our lives they would want us to have a positive existence but most of all Janie they would want us to live on for them so the best advice that I can have for you is 
Feel all the way through it. Live all the way through it. Help your father pass on. And then the other side, become a better, stronger version of yourself. And that, my sister, will be something that your father would have the utmost pride in knowing. Thank you, Janie, for the audience question. You really wanted to test me, huh? It wasn't just about love that time, was it? Um, thank you, Janie, for the question. I'm going to get off on this one. Uh, yeah, I got to go. So, yeah, we'll get on to this next section. Thank you, Janie, for the question. I love you. Keep sending all, send us your questions. Send us your love. Send us everything, and I'll answer them as authentic as I can, even if it hurts. Alrighty, section number three, and we are to what I believe to be one of, if not my favorite section of the show. It's where I get to tell those tales from the dark side, tales from the devil's highway, different debaucherous situations that I choose just for you. And on this particular show, we are going to once again delve into one of my favorite subjects of all, those dirty, dirty rocker stories, the ones that make history make you understand exactly why the rock stars are the rock stars and that's why they get to be the rock stars and on this particular show this particular edition of the dead on arrival rock and roll stories we're going to focus on a man whose reputation as a rock star has only skyrocketed since the movie the dirt has came out on netflix that's right mr nikki six bass player nikki six of the famously famous, debaucherous, sinful, and I love them, hard rock band Motley Crue. We're going to go ahead and isolate a little story that was in that particular movie and expand the understanding just for you. And the story goes a little something like this. On December 23rd, 1987 in Hollywood, Motley Crue bassist Nikki Six was declared dead for two minutes after a near-fatal injection of heroin. In his autobiography book, Six recalled how a girlfriend of Guns N' Roses guitarist Slash frantically gave the rocker mouth-to-mouth until paramedics arrived. That's right, Nikki was dead, and Slash's girlfriend had to give him mouth-to-mouth. Six was then transported to a local hospital and released the next day, where he then admits in his book and personally that after he got home and slept, he woke up the next day and began immediately shooting up heroin again. Now that, my friends, is some hardcore shit. Alrighty, that's our rock and roll story for the week. Thank you, Nikki, for always being so goddamn entertaining. And until next time, you know I'll be sitting on pins and needles waiting to tell you one of my debaucherous, debaucherous stories from the Devil's Highway. Time for the tales from the Devil's Highway. Sin and Saint all wrapped into one. 
You know, I love this part. I love the debauchery. So let's kick right on into it. Usually, as many of you may know, I tell a story, uh, MC Motorcycle Club story or some kind of a rock and roll story. But this week, my friends, I've decided to go another direction. Because as you may know or may or may not know, I'm kind of an outlaw country type of guy, right? I'm a cowboy. I'm a bad boy. I'm a good man. But I kind of identify with that outlaw country, that Willie Nelson, that Johnny Cash, that just that old school attitude. I just dig it. What can I say? They had it together. I mean, I'm a rocker. Don't get me wrong. I love that too, but I love my outlaw country. So this week, although I usually tell a story, what I thought I would do is I would actually focus on a man who embodies outlaw country. And instead of telling a story, I'd give you some facts, six facts, in fact, that I had found online that probably makes this gentleman the number one outlaw countryman of all times. And that gentleman's name is Waylon Jennings. I don't know if you're familiar with him. You need to go out. Go on Spotify right now. Find, find his music and play it. And you're going to want to after hearing these six facts. So let's jump into it right now. These six facts, here is six insane but true facts about Waylon Jennings. Number one, he rode Buddy, Buddy Holly's motorcycle into a hotel room. Got on the bike, rode it right into Buddy Holly's hotel room. Not even stopping. Mm, mm, mm. Number two, Waylon walked off the set of a talk show host right in the middle of a question, said, fucking walked right on out. Now that's outlaw country for you, baby. Number three, side note, he also walked out on the Country Music Awards. <laughs> Got up and said, fuck it. That's attitude for you. Number four, for Waylon, number four insane fact is Waylon had the DEA come knocking at his door. Yeah. Bad boy. Bad boy. Number five, Waylon sang a duet with Big Bird from Sesame Street. So let's let's put this into a framework for you. Waylon Jennings, Mr. Outlaw Country, in one moment is having his door beat down by the DEA. And then the next moment is on PBS Children's Television singing a duet with Big Bird. Big Bird. Yeah. Yeah. That's painful. <laughs> that's so badass, though. And that's outlaw. Number six, finally, and I want you to take notice of this, all you bad boys, all the, all the bad boys out in the audience. You got something to learn right here. Waylon's going to set the standard for you right now. Rocker, I don't care what you are, punk rocker, rock and roll, whatever you might be. Here's the standard, standard set for being a bad boy. Waylon once earned $25,000 just by taking a piss. That's right. Once upon a time, Waylon took a piss on the floor and made himself $25,000. And that's why, my friends, in this section of the show, in this section where I'm riding down the devil's highway and telling you a tale, I'm telling you about the most outlawed country mofo in the history of the world. And that's Mr. Waylon Jennings and his six most insane facts about his life. Alrighty, that's the section. Thank you very much. If you have anything you want to hear from the stories next week, again, DM us 
Let us know. If you have a story for us, suggest it, submit it. Maybe we'll get it on air. I'm always telling a different tale. A tale from the Devil's Highway. Time for the tales from the Devil's Highway. Sin and Saint all wrapped into one. You know, I love this part. I love the debauchery. So let's kick right on into it. Usually, as many of you may know, I tell a story, a MC Motorcycle Club story or some kind of a rock and roll story. But this week, my friends, I've decided to go another direction. Because as you may know or may or may not know, I'm kind of an outlaw country type of guy, right? I'm a cowboy. I'm a bad boy. I'm a good man. But I kind of identify with that outlaw country, that Willie Nelson, that Johnny Cash, that just that old school attitude. I just dig it. What can I say? They had it together. I mean, I'm a rocker. Don't get me wrong. I love that too, but I love my outlaw country. So this week, although I usually tell a story, what I thought I would do is I would actually focus on a man who embodies outlaw country. And instead of telling a story, I'd give you some facts, six facts, in fact, that I had found online that probably makes this gentleman the number one outlaw countryman of all times. And that gentleman's name is Waylon Jennings. I don't know if you're familiar with him. You need to go out. Go on Spotify right now. Find, find his music and play it. And you're going to want to after hearing these six facts. So let's jump into it right now. These six facts, here is six insane but true facts about Waylon Jennings. Number one, he rode Buddy, Buddy Holly's motorcycle into a hotel room. Got on the bike, rode it right into Buddy Holly's hotel room. Not even stopping. Mm, mm, mm. Number two, Waylon walked off the set of a talk show host right in the middle of a question, said fuck it and walked right on out. Now that's outlaw country for you, baby. Number three, side note, he also walked out on the Country Music Awards. <laughs> Got up and said, fuck it. That's attitude for you. Number four for Waylon. Number four insane fact is Waylon had the DEA come knocking at his door. Yeah. Bad boy. Bad boy. Number five. Waylon sang a duet with Big Bird Sesame Street. So let's let's put this into a framework for you. Waylon Jennings, Mr. Outlaw Country, in one moment is having his door beat down by the DEA, and then the next moment is on PBS Children's Television singing a duet with Big Bird. Big Bird. Yeah. Yeah. That's painful. <laughs> that's so badass though. And that's outlaw. Number six, finally, and I want you to take notice of this, all you bad boys, all the, all the bad boys out in the audience. You got something to learn right here. Waylon's going to set the standard for you right now. Rocker, I don't care what you are, punk rocker, rock and roll, whatever you might be. Here's the standard, standard set for being a bad boy. Waylon once earned $25,000 just by taking a piss. That's right. Once upon a time, Waylon took a piss on the floor and made himself $25,000. And that's why, my friends, in this section of the show, 
in this section where I'm riding down the devil's highway and telling you a tale, I'm telling you about the most outlawed country mofo in the history of the world. And that's Mr. Waylon Jennings and his six most insane facts about his life. Alrighty, that's the section. Thank you very much. If you have anything you want to hear from the stories next week, again, DM us. Let us know. If you have a story for us, suggest it, submit it. Maybe we'll get it on air. I'm always telling a different tale. A tale from the Devil's Highway.